You are about to listen to Where Your Treasure Is, the podcast where faith and finance meet. Please note, the views expressed are our own and in no way represent any form of financial advice. And remember, investments can go down as well as up. Happy listening. Hello and welcome to episode four of Where Your Treasure Is. Today we are looking at foundations of faithful finance. Hi, Simon. Oh, Bex, I love some alliteration. Thank you for that. It's fantastic, isn't it? As a bit of a language nerd, myself being both a translator and a writer, I found it really interesting the way you position the core values of your company, Stewardship Wealth. So could you introduce those to us and tell us a little bit about how you've defined the foundations of faithful finance in your own life? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to, Bex. So uh, Stewardship Wealth is a financial planning business. Financial planning is therefore what we do, but it's not why we do what we do. It's not why we exist. The business exists to fulfill three foundational values, which I believe that I've been called by God to live out. And those three foundational values in my life and in my business are faith, family, and philanthropy. The three F's are my foundations. And tell me a little bit more about what you mean by philanthropy. Yeah, okay. So uh, when I started out, I had faith, family, and generosity. Uh, And generosity, much more understandable. It's about using and and giving away the money that we have. I think in terms of the Christian life, being good stewards of what God has given us. It was actually a client of mine that a little way into the business said, surely Simon, philanthropy scans better with faith and family. So that's why we use it. But it's it's to do with not just money, but on how God wants me to use my resources and how God wants me to use the resources within Stewardship Wealth, the business, not on what I want, but on what he wants me to do with it. I love when clients give us feedback that shape <laughs> our businesses. Um, and so, Simon, our faith, family and philanthropy, the foundations of faithful finance for everyone, or is that just for you? That's really hard to say, isn't it? The foundations of faithful finance for everyone. Are they faith, family, and philanthropy? Um, No, not for everyone. Although I think as we go through today, what we'll identify is that there's a lot of overlap between what the Bible says about how we should manage our finance and my core values. But you've got to remember, I'm a financial professional. I have spent the last 20 plus years of my life not just trying to get to grips with managing my own financial affairs and my own understanding of what the Bible says about money, but other people's as well in a very professional capacity. So I have probably spent a lot more time thinking about money than the average person has. So let's see if we can dip into the Bible and start gravitating towards where there's overlap between my values and those of the Bible. Uh, Let's start with a scripture, always good to to ground ourselves in the word. And I'm going to start Old Testament We're going to start with 1 Samuel 15, 22, and just a bit of it where it says to obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. And to reinforce it, let's get a New Testament quote. Let's, in fact, quote Jesus. He says this in Matthew 23, 23. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. He wasn't pulling any punches, was he? You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill and cumin but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter 
without neglecting the former. So what I see here, Bex, is that we are taught that sacrifice, which I would argue in our more modern context is more akin to generosity, to giving, to tithing, not quite, you know, burning of animals as it was in the Old Testament. Sacrifice is important, but it's not as important as, a, as obedience to God. Jesus berated those spiritual leaders of his time because they were very diligent about their giving. I mean, they were harvesting the dill from their herb gardens and giving a tenth of it to God. But they weren't setting a good example of righteousness, of mercy, of justice. They weren't being obedient to the big things. I think that's still true today. What we do with our money really matters to God, but it doesn't matter as much as our relationship with him. And that's why the foundation of faith comes before the foundation of philanthropy and in terms of being generous and being sacrificial. That's really helpful. And I think every Christian would agree with you that faith should come first. But I think in a podcast, which is balancing both faith and finance, it's really interesting to see how those two things sit together and where the priorities are. So before we go a bit more into the money side of things, we can forget that money is actually a secondary issue. I think particularly in a society which is so money driven and where that's a lot of where status comes from, it can become the most important issue in our lives. So how do you keep that in perspective? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to quote something I love that was said by a guy called Stephen Covey. Guys at home might have heard of him. He was the author of a really famous book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he says this, the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. And really, it's just a reinforcement. We've got to work out what is the most important thing in our lives and keep it as the most important thing. Bex, you and I, we could produce this profoundly inspiring, wisdom-filled podcast all about how people should manage their money. But without faith, without faith in Jesus, it would all be for nothing. This podcast and all that we'll speak about over the coming weeks and months and years, possibly, that has to support, first of all, people in their faith and then in their finances second. I love that. And it's just a really helpful reminder of the fact that so often everything we do comes from that overflow of our relationship with Jesus. And that's what impacts our decisions and hopefully the people around us as well. Yeah. So having spoken about that, what do you think about the relationship between faith and finance? And where does your second foundational value of family come into that mix? Okay, so money is an incredibly emotional and testing topic, actually. I found it's an area where many people, Christians and non-Christians, really get it wrong. They fail. The world we live in is just totally obsessed with money. Having money, getting money, using money, and in many cases, showing off the fact we've got money. I would go so far as to say that money has become one of the gods of our world. The very first commandment that God gave to Moses says this, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. I have edited it slightly. If we ever put money before God, we are failing at that very first hurdle. When we worship money, we give it more attention than it deserves. We pursue it above other things. We're putting it in the place of God. That's really damaging to our faith. 
and our relationship with him. We need to learn to use money to help us in our relationship with God, not replace our relationship with God. So that's how the kind of the money and, and faith tie together. But you asked me about family, that, that second foundation value that I have. I imagine you can think of this. Ask anybody uh, which is more important in their lives, money or family. And they're going to say family. It's the right thing to say. The problem is not everybody manages to live out what they say or even what they think about family being a priority. How many parents live, for example, and to be honest, in my generation, it was mostly the fathers. They, they kind of trick themselves into believing that working hard, working all hours, getting a promotion, getting a bigger salary and bonuses, buying a bigger house or a bigger car or a better holiday, and then using all that wealth they've created to shower love on their children or their spouses. But what the family really wants from them is their time to be present, to spend quality time with them, not just quantities of money, which they have created. So I have very deliberately put family as, as my second foundational value to remind myself, because I regularly need reminded, that family is more important to me than money is. I work in this money-obsessed profession. Even if I'm trying to do good things with money, family is still more important. And let's quote Jesus one more time. Back in Matthew 15, he criticizes the Pharisees and the teachers of the law because they say, oh, this money, which I was going to use to look after my parents, now I'm going to give it to God instead. Then I haven't got to honor my mum and dad with it. They got their priorities wrong, and he was quick to point it out to them. So what I'm hearing from you is that we often get told from society with money that you can have it all. You don't really have to compromise. You don't have to sacrifice. But if you work hard enough, money can get you whatever you want. And there's always this obsession with being kind of more upwardly mobile than the generation before us. And instead, a way to reframe that is to look at money as a tool and as a way to, as you said earlier, make the main thing the main thing and to really aid us in that. So that sounds like a really good starting point so far. So we've got faith as top of the priority list, and then we've got family coming in second. And while I'm not married at the moment, I can see even through having a niece and nephews that prioritizing my relationship with them is far more important than the money and the gifts I can give them. But I'm not too sure about philanthropy and where that comes in my priority list. So could you tell me a little bit about that and maybe whether I've got that wrong? Well, you definitely haven't got it wrong, Bex. Absolutely. These are my foundational values. These are the ones that I've spent 40 odd years kind of living and then identifying these are the places where God has called me to be faithful. You know, uh, God's calling on my life is for generosity. It's not something I have chosen, but it's where I see I kind of feel God's pleasure when I'm generous. So it's one of my core values. Let's have a look at Romans 12. Um, I imagine loads of folk will recognize these verses. It's, it's where Paul talks about the body of Christ. And he says this, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. 
Now, out of the seven gifts that Paul lists here, and, and there are more lists that Paul gives of other gifts elsewhere in the Bible, only one of them is the gift of giving. I love that, the gift of giving. I've got the gift of giving. So it's not that everybody has to have the gift of giving. Find out what your gift is. What did God make you to be, make you to do? You've mentioned that already, Bex, in, in earlier podcasts. I feel like I was made to do this. That becomes one of the important things in your life and make the important things the important things. Fantastic. And I suspect it's not a topic we'll spend lots of time on in this podcast as we're really talking about faithful finance. But what a fantastic challenge for each of us to spend time thinking about what are gifts and what are we made to do. But if I don't identify one of my giftings as being giving, then how should I approach my finances? Because we've already seen that God's really interested in how we handle our money, that it's a huge topic in the Bible. And that really, while we may not all have the gift of giving, we are all expected to give. And so what foundational principles could you highlight to help us handle money wisely? Yeah, you've nailed that really well, Bex. We are expected to give, even if you haven't got the gift of giving. You know, and many of the gifts that God talks about, some people do more, but we're all to do some. So let's uh, step right back out of the biblical principles into some really practical principles for the next bit of the podcast. And what I'm going to try and do is just highlight five foundations of finance, okay, which anybody should want to try and get to grips with, get sorted in their lives. And part of my belief is that if we can get the foundations right, it frees us up to then make those important things in our lives more prevalent. We can do more of them because we've got these basics sorted. So I'm going to start with foundation number one, and it's this, it's budgeting. Now, budgeting, straight away, people's eyes roll, their eyebrows rise. It's, it's the most boring thing in the world is budgeting. And the way many people do it, yeah, perhaps it is quite boring. But to be honest, everybody does live on a budget. No one's got infinite money. And what we want to do is manage your budgeting well to give you the most financial freedom. Now, my top tip at this stage, and we're going to talk lots more about budgeting in some of the future podcasts, is this. Budget forwards, don't budget backwards. Budget forwards, not backwards. Now, what I mean by that is this. A budget isn't, oh, look, last month I spent money on this, 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 and this. That's my budget. No, a budget says, I'm going to get some money in wherever it comes from, and what I want to spend it on, or sometimes what I need to spend it on, next month is going to be that, that, and that. And when you do that, you take control of your money rather than your money taking control of you. If we say my foundational values are faith, family, and finance, well, faith, giving to the Lord, is going to be the first thing in my budget, not the last thing in my budget. And when you get those priorities right, our budget begins to work in a whole different manner. Excellent. I've heard it almost described as giving your money a job and assigning it a role, which is a really helpful metaphor, I think. It is. Give every pound a purpose. That's what I'm going to say. If you've got no, more pounds left than purpose, good for you. We'll, we'll work out something to do with that, that pound at the end of the day. So we've got our budget and yeah, we'll help you build one in the future. The second foundational principle is this. It's the emergency fund. Again, it sounds a bit boring, to be honest. Most people prefer to spend their money rather than have it sitting somewhere. But things do go wrong from time to time. 
I'm going to quote Robbie Burns this time. Uh, I'm an Englishman living in Scotland, but I love Robbie Burns. And he says this, the best laid plans of mice and men gang after glee. And for those non-Scots amongst you, that basically means the best laid plans of mice and men often go a bit wrong. When things go wrong financially, it can cause us to spiral into financial problems. One problem triggers another, triggers another. It can be really hard to get out of those things. So if we anticipate, well, I might have an issue one day, if I can build up a pot of money that I can dip into when things go wrong, I'm being a good steward and I'm building resilience for my future finances. So that's the emergency fund. Right. The third one, third foundation is this, it's compound interest. Go back to your school days if you can. However, Einstein, he was a genius and he called compound interest the most powerful force in the universe. He who understands it earns it. He who doesn't pays it. I mean, he was almost right. God is the most powerful force in the universe, not compound interest, but he had the right thought. His point was this. If you're somebody who borrows money, loans, credit cards, overdrafts, mortgages, you're paying interest to somebody else. And that interest then one day gets interest added to it and it compounds up, it gets bigger. But if you're somebody who can earn and then save money in the bank, in your pension, in investments, over the long term, you're earning interest, you're getting growth, and then you're getting interest on your interest and then interest on your interest on your interest. That's the compounding effect. And over time, it gets bigger and bigger. So as good stewards of God's wealth, we want to be doing wise things with money and not wasting it. So we'll talk in the future about how to use compound interest wisely. I always thought compound interest was a pretty scary term that I didn't really understand. But it kind of sounds like a superpower that it maximizes anything it touches. So if it is on something I have to pay back, it's going to keep building and keep building. But if it's on something I'm saving, then over time that will also continue to build. Absolutely. We'll, we'll take some practical examples in the future about how we can make the best use of this magical superpower of compound interest. Okay, foundation number four is protection. Now, what I mean here is putting provision in place for things that can happen, which to be honest, can ruin your financial stability totally for you or your family. I'm talking about some fairly, fairly heavy stuff now. I'm talking about death or illness or accident. Understanding in your own life, what would happen to my finances? What would happen to the finances of my family if I could never work again, for example? If I wasn't around earning an income? suddenly you realize that the most important asset you have, it isn't your house or your car or your pension fund. The most important financial asset each of us owns is our health. If we can't work, we can't pay the bills. We can't provide for the future. If you can't work, you can't look after your family. You can't give away as much. You can't therefore sow into God's kingdom. People insure their cars and their houses in case they go wrong, People don't so much insure themselves in case they go wrong. So a process of understanding what protection you need can be a really healthy foundational step in wise stewardship. And I suppose it becomes really natural to just check in every time something changes. So, for instance, at the moment, I'm single. And so there's no one else relying on my earnings. 
But if I had a husband or if I had children, then I might want to reassess that decision because it would have a more immediate impact. Yeah, absolutely. Some people, if if they couldn't provide for themselves, there are other people who would. But if you're the breadwinner or one of the breadwinners in a household, it's more important for you. Or as you get older, later in life, maybe as you've built your pension up, subtle hint, this is the fifth foundation here. Good link, Bex, well done. You might not need insurance anymore because if you can't work anymore, it's not quite so critical. The mortgage is paid off. The kids have left home. Your pension can be dipped into and just start a bit early. It's not ideal, but you can get away with it. And there we are. We're going to go with my favorite topic pretty much ever after God, which is this pensions. Bex, pensions are amazing. Really? Oh, it's true. It's totally true. I know that loads of people either have or have inherited a really poor attitude to pensions. I'm going to be honest, 20 plus years ago, when I was starting out in financial services, pensions had a bit of a bad rep. They hadn't always done their job very well. But right now, pensions are the absolute best way to make provision for your future self and your future family. Basically, there's free money on the table, Bex, and it's your choice whether or not to pick it up. It comes with some caveats, but I'm going to guarantee you, by the time you've heard me talk on pensions, you'll be out desperately trying to get some more. I mean, you said free money on the table. It seems mad to turn it down. Seems mad, and yet people do. So fifth foundation is get your pension planning right. It's a tricky one when you're very young because pensions aren't going to be accessed for decades. But here's where the superpower of compound interest comes in. My favorite. Start your pension young. It's going to be great when you get older. There you go. My five foundations of finance. Bex, can you remember what they are? Okay, so we've got budgeting, emergency fund, compound interest, protection and pensions. Correct? Absolutely. We could have added loads more, but those are my five starters for five. Five starters for five. Love it. So it sounds like we could do whole podcast episodes, if not lots, on each of those topics. So Simon, how are we going to help listeners start to engage with these foundations and really start to put that into practice? Right. We're now halfway through this opening season of Where Your Treasure Is podcast. And we've got four more topics to cover off this season. And we're going to talk about giving, negative money, life stages in financial planning, and then investment strategy. Now, again, each of these will be topics that will pave the way for lots of future content. But we wanted to start by giving a very shallow and very broad introduction into this field of faithful finance. More alliteration. Next season, we're going to dig deeper into this life stages topic. You mentioned this there, Bex. I'm young, I'm single, I don't need protection. Or maybe you do. We'll talk about that and how as you go through being single, getting a first job, getting into relationships, having a family, buying a house, progressing a career, preparing for and then living in and through retirement right the way through to dying well, which sounds very ominous, but is a really important topic for many people. So the aim for that next season would really be to take an overview of life and the different financial challenges and tools we can put in place in each stage and help anyone no matter which stage they're at. And so that really gives people an opportunity to dip in and out um, to whichever episodes relate to them now or might in the future. And then what's next after that? 
we've all identified Bex as we've talked over the past few episodes, loads of topics we can build loads of seasons on into the future. But what I'm going to suggest is we open it up to public opinion at that stage. So as people are listening, we're going to just throw out the occasional reminder. If you've got a question, if you've got a topic you want to talk to us about, then, hey, just email us and we'll pick it up. We'll do a, a special podcast just for you. Absolutely. We are passionate about helping people in really practical ways and with situations that are present in their life right now. And so if you have a topic you would like to hear discussed, please send your questions and comments to where your treasure is at freerangepodcasting.co.uk. And if you're enjoying these podcasts, then do remember that you can subscribe to make sure you don't miss them when they come out. And you can also leave a wee rating and review to help other people find it as well. Thank you, Bex. Hey, great questions today, Bex. Thank you once again. Uh, And I hope perhaps you found some of my thoughts helpful in, in discerning your own journey to financial fruitfulness in the future. As always, Simon, I feel like I leave with more questions, but also more excitement about the topic and more practical tools to start applying straight away. And so that's it from me, Bex Elder, and from him, Simon Glazier. Join us next time for some more of Where Your Treasure Is, where we'll be looking at the topic of giving. This podcast has been brought to you by Free Range Podcasting. Let us take you where you and your podcast want to go.